Welcome to Motherhood Behind the Scenes. I'm Jennifer Norris-Hale with Mission Motherhood. Today we have an exciting, different format for us um, to kind of have a different type of a conversation. We have four mothers from within the community who are coming to the table to share their experiences with motherhood um, and just hoping that we can create some sort of dialogue and conversation um, to help other mothers um, feel seen and heard, but also to know that they're not alone in the experiences that they've had. So we have Georgia, Holly, Elvira, and Bree with us today, and I'm so honored to have them um, joining us. Um, the first thing that maybe we can just kind of get into is just motherhood. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> um, we all have our own individual experiences, you know, birthing our children. The one thing that maybe that we want to talk about and what's still really relevant today talking with moms is the expectation versus the reality. So even speaking with um, older moms, some of them have said like, you know, they didn't even know what to expect. Like their mothers never told them what to expect with birth. And now, and maybe it wasn't something they were talked about, that was ever talked about. But now we have this inundated in amount of information from social media, um, and we have this expectation of perfection or expectation of a natural birth or whatever that might look like um, versus the reality. And so within that gap, uh, there can be some sort of um, grieving when our uh, reality is falls much shorter than that. So I'm just kind of curious as to you know, when you became a first-time mom or even progressively after that, if you've had subsequent children, what your experiences was or what your thoughts are on how we um, address that. I can go. Um, <laughs> so um, at 10 weeks, our very first ultrasound, we found out we were having identical twin girls and Immediately right there goes what you thought you were going to have, a single child, um, to having multiples. And then the flood of the high-risk pregnancy and what does that entail. And immediately starting to go into what is the birth going to look like. And ultimately for us, um, the, risks, the risks outweighed. Um, we had to weigh out the risks. And... We did a scheduled C-section at 36 weeks, um, just because that's what was safest for my beautiful daughters, and that's what was safest for me. Um, my mom also was an identical twin mother, so she prepped me really, really well, um, and she didn't have a C-section, and so like that traumatic birth for her kind of, I don't want to say scared me into choosing the C-section, but like I'm very science-driven, and facts are facts, so... I went with the scheduled C-section. Um, if I were to look at social media and what I was seeing other twin moms and just the pressure for that more natural birth and um, feeling kind of like I was a quitter in yeah. a sense of choosing like the easy way out. Yeah. And anybody who's had a C-section knows that's not necessarily the easy way out. But I mean, I like went back and forth on that and eventually like science went out for me mm -hmm. and we had a successful C-section. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I would say even with my uh, oldest, because my oldest is going to be 13 this year, the conversation has not 
changed so much, even in 13 years, because social media 13 years ago was kind of new. But at the same time, the pressure of perfection mm -hmm. was kind of winning out on everything. And I don't know, we have, you know, some younger girls here. <laughs> what, <laughs> what, what is the influence of social media or just even outside influence on your kind of, what was it on your expectation? I can go. Uh, so being 18 and getting pregnant, still in high school, I didn't feel prepared at all. I would say that social media has helped as far as feeling like I have more of a voice or helping me with some of the confidence because you can go on Instagram and see all the different, or TikTok and see all the different motivational videos and like watch something and just feel empowered in just that one moment. Um, but before that, I felt very scared. Like I, I don't know, I was really afraid of like failing my kid, mm -hmm. I think. And it's because I was so young and I'm in high school and I don't know what's going to happen with the father, with the relationship, with anything. And I think it was very scary to me to the thought of bringing my child into a um, broken home or one parent household or not a two parent household like I was raised in. and. Um, just the different things that can come with being, you know, an only child or having a single parent um, as your parent and how close he would be with his father, things like that mm -hmm. were all just like kind of taking over me. And then I was also so, um, so much struggling so much with the fact of being that stigma, mm -hmm. um, having, you know, being the teen black single mom um, what is a really big stigma amongst the black community and for uh, young single moms, it's something that's like almost expected. And that stigma, um, I struggled with a lot trying to get that off of me mm -hmm. and um, moving forward as far as motherhood because of that. Do you, was your family supportive um, at that point um, as much as they could be? I wouldn't, I would say that after some time passed that they were more supportive. I grew up in a very strict Christian household. I'm a pastor's daughter, um, and it's difficult if you, you know, step out of that in any way, shape, or form, how um, that may come back at you. Like my mom really struggled uh, with disappointment when I had to tell her that I was pregnant yeah. um, because it's something that she was trying to protect me from for basically my whole life. It mm -hmm. was kind of nailed into us to not have sex outside of marriage or, you know, have a promise ring and things like that. It was very much um, something that she tried to burn into us mm -hmm. uh, just because she had gotten pregnant in high school, my aunt got pregnant in high school, my grandma got pregnant in high school, and that was a generational curse almost that she was trying to break with us. Mm -hmm. It just didn't work. <laughs> well, is it a curse because you're still like a wonderful person and yeah. you're here from yeah. that, right? Yes. And so is your child. Mm -hmm. That's true. And um, we still were able to make it into a positive, um, a positive experience. Yeah. And so, yeah, I think it took her time to come around just because of that. Uh, but eventually when she did, she, she was just like, the most supportive, you know, most helpful and yeah. best grandma ever. I mean, <laughs> there's so many grandkids and she's watching all of them. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Georgia? Um, 
terms of expectations, I don't really know what I expected going into having like in like the birth process or being um, like having my baby. It's it's one of those things. It's like you know what to expect, but then you kind of are like maybe I don't have to actually have the baby. Maybe we can just like fast forward and I'll just be there holding the baby. Mm -hmm. um, and so that process was, um, it was a bit of a surprise for me. Uh, I think each time, honestly, mm -hmm. I have three kids. Um, so the first time we had long induction, hospital birth, and lots of things happened that should never happen to anybody. Things were said to me that shouldn't be said to anybody. Um, so that was that experience. <laughs> and second was a very quick six hour um, birth center birth, which was really great, really beautiful, kind of intense because it was a lot shorter. Um, and then my third, um, oh gosh, was it, it was almost 12 hours, not quite. Um, and it was in a hospital as well. And it was really, really beautiful with my little girl. So it's, it's one of those things that's like, I thought I might have had an idea, and then these experiences then changed how that happened. Mm -hmm. um, I think at this point, I've just kind of learned to just go with the flow of it, um, which I feel like is a lot of motherhood, is that you just kind of are along for the ride. Yeah. <laughs> it's like you have an idea, it's like, okay, well maybe we'll just get to that point and then deal with it as we're there. Mm -hmm. um, so. Yeah, I, but I can definitely understand with um, having expectations. It's like, okay, I wanted a nice natural birth, especially that first one. It's like, okay, have a doula. I have little bits of troubles with anxiety and some depression. Nothing like diagnosed, but I don't want postpartum depression because that's awful. And then it's like, okay, I'm going to have all these things in place. Mm -hmm. Like have my husband with me, have a birth plan written out, have a doula. It's going to be great. And then that three-day induction that was not good at all happened. And so it's like, okay, where do I go from here? Mm -hmm. What am I supposed to do? Um, and I don't know if I actually had any postpartum depression. Looking back, I think I had some anxiety. I think so. But I don't think I had. Um, it was able to get through it enough with the supports that I had. Mm -hmm. yeah. How about you? Okay, so my birthing expectations. Um, I had the internet, and YouTube was the main source of entertainment at the time for people my age. So um, I just went onto YouTube and found a whole bunch of other people who were pregnant at the same time and around the same age as me. I did get pregnant at 19, so it did influence different kinds of things, but there are people out there who document that and um, take you along the journey there. And um, so I kind of knew what I would have been going into at the time. And then when it did happen, obviously, I didn't have as much resources as YouTubers do or people who do social media entertainment or things like that. Um, I had to do things myself and um, find a way to get myself to the hospital and not have a kind of luxurious to-go bag and things like that. Um, I barely got ready in the nesting stage, um, I guess, and um, my labor wasn't too long, but my um, 
what is it called? Epidural. Mm -hmm. My epidural did fail on me. Um, so I had some pain um, and then I was out of there within uh, a day and I got to go home. So, wow. Yeah, <laughs> one day. One day. <laughs> wow. And how did you, so a lot, we, you, or we hear a lot about, you know, just you have the baby and then, shh, good, you know, good job. Yeah, <laughs> Go for right. it. Um, and there aren't really so many supports either as far as for new moms, young moms, all moms. When I had my first and through the fourth, each baby is different. You're not, you're not prepared. Um, you think you're prepared. <laughs> You always think you're, you're never prepared. prepared. No. Never prepared. <laughs> Every day I wake up and I'm not prepared. <laughs> um, but um, there are some, you know, was family supportive? Was partner supportive? Were they not supportive? Like, how was that um, kind of experience as well? I did some parenting classes. Uh, so part of my anxiety was discipline and how to parent. I come from a household where there was a lot of uh, physical abuse um, due to mental illness from my father during that time and PTSD. So I was really anxious about how I would parent my child. Mm -hmm. What were my triggers going to be? How I would manage my anger? Is my anger like my father's? Can I handle the patience of being a mother? Um, that really is something that I struggled with on the beginning part of my journey and mm -hmm. I ended up signing myself up for like counseling um, right away just because I knew that I had so many issues that I was pulling from my childhood still and I didn't want my anger or resentment um, to become an issue as I mothered my son or just show for him to see any of that. So I tried really hard to um, handle things at the beginning. Uh, so even during my pregnancy, I was doing some sessions, but then I really like was dedicated to uh, counseling sessions and celebrate recovery during the first, like when I had my son. I also was taking parenting classes through the Hope Center. Um, they have different opportunities where you can take different parenting classes and watch different videos and they yeah. give you little coupons towards things and being a single mom um, and my partner also being 19 and I'm 18, I don't have anything. <laughs> so. Um, really just trying to prepare myself for the journey to come, even though, like you said, we're, we never feel really prepared and you never know how you're going to respond to a situation until you're actually in it. But being able to pull some of those tools from those classes or even just from counseling um, and working on myself, I was able to, uh, I don't know, kind of help myself not fall into the trap of that anger or fall into the trap of the things that I had seen growing up. Yeah. And that's really helped me. I don't always feel prepared for every situation, but I feel like I have the tools to navigate any situation. Yeah. Every, um, everything you've shared too, it's just such a cool thing as mothers and just even with your story specifically, the self-awareness that happens, like as soon as we become moms, it's like, you know, I, I hate to say it, but like the mother bear mode, you know, like I'm just, I will not allow this to happen to my child, you know, and we try and figure out how to, um, to avoid that. And we can't, we can't avoid everything, um, <laughs> but we can try and we can understand what tools are available and help, um, you know, prepare ourselves so that, you know, even on those days when our worst days, uh, we have something to fall back on. So, 
yeah. Um, it's just such a weird switch that happens. <laughs> just almost automatic. Yeah. Yeah. Go from like being normal teenage person to just like, okay, I have this real responsibility uh, now. Yeah. And I have to fix everything as I go. <laughs> well, good on you for flipping that switch. Really? Yeah, like, yeah. I mean, you took a lot of steps. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. yeah. Especially even, you good know. Good on you. Like, yeah. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. It felt necessary. <laughs> I mean, like, I was 35 when I got pregnant with my girls, and I feel like you had your stuff way more together than <laughs> I did. Um, yeah. yeah. That's impressive. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> it's really real. Like, your kids force you to look at yourself and be mm -hmm. like, oh, that's me. Oh, I'm like this. How, what can we do to fix this? How can we change this? How can we make this better? Yeah, and like you said, like growing from your past too. It's like, okay, I know this was a situation, this was a thing. How can I make it different, mm -hmm. or even slightly better, just because I'm aware of it? Mm -hmm. And it's like, you know, you can't throw your parents completely under the bus because it's like, okay, but they made me how I am right now, mm -hmm. and I'm able to realize these things and be different for my kids. Yeah, yeah. break the cycle. Yeah, it's mm -hmm. crazy. <laughs> What other resources do you guys, or did you have available as far as like, you know, partner, well, you know. I needed, <laughs> like, I needed all hands on deck. Yeah. <laughs> um, we gave, my girls were born in 2021 and um, COVID was still very rampant. And my partner um, was diagnosed with COVID three days after we brought the girls home. So clearly COVID positive in the hospital. I just had major surgery. We have premature babies. Thank God they were healthy. Um, and he was so bad that he was in the hospital for three days. Oh, and then our six-year-old who has Down syndrome, he also tested COVID positive. Oh, um, but luckily, young kid was thriving. Um, just needed to sleep, which was a blessing. Um, <laughs> but so we had a COVID positive all over. And I have my preemies. My mom, thank God, extended her stay with us so she could help. Um, I ended up testing COVID positive. Our girls never showed symptoms, but I mean, resting after a C-section wasn't an option. Mm -hmm. um, it was fight or flight mode and you just had to fight it. Um, but yeah, it was a lot. That is a lot. <laughs> it was that a lot. Is, oh yeah. my gosh. But I mean, we made it through. I yeah. don't remember the first year with them, but yeah. because it was just survival mode, mm -hmm. but yeah. Yeah. It all worked out. Yeah. But I mean, you yeah. needed, I needed my family. Like, yeah. And he, once he was able to be around the babies, like he was there. Like mm -hmm. I have a super supportive partner. That's good. Mm -hmm. You're saying that story reminds me. So week two after having our youngest, uh, so she's three months old now, um, <laughs> we got the lovely stomach flu that went oh. through. It was like, gosh, so it was week two. It was the end of January, beginning of February or something. Mm -hmm. And yeah, so everybody got stomach flu in my whole house. Pucapalooza. <laughs> yes, it started. Luckily, it was, it was kind of a blessing. Started with the one year old. And then we're like, well, maybe it was a fluke. Maybe he just ate something weird. I don't know. Maybe he slept too hot because he's weird. I don't know. And then the next day was fine. And then the day after that was me and my husband. And then the three year old, luckily she was fine. But you know, two week old baby 
Everybody's throwing up. And that was the week that we decided to set up the meal train. So we have tons of food in our fridge. Oh, yeah. And we're all like, got any more crackers, Mom? <laughs> so, yeah, I relate to that because mm -hmm. it's like, okay, I don't know. We got through somehow. <laughs> like the people dropping off food. Yes. It's like a godsend. Yeah. Yeah. Like people just door drop it and it's like okay that's like one less thing that you yes. have to worry about is like mm -hmm. okay what are we having for dinner which is the dreaded question oh that I feel like uh, every yes. single every day, day of our lives <laughs> yes um, so yeah that's helpful oh my gosh it is good that is a good support it's one of those ones that you don't know if it's going to crop up or I feel like there's like kind of a pressure like you're not supposed to put it up for yourself right mm -hmm. it's like oh you shouldn't set up a meal train you shouldn't be like asking for food like why not yeah. Why can't we ask for help? Like, that's, I think, the biggest thing with being a mom is, like, you get humbled into asking for help because you need it. Mm -hmm. And it's it's one of those things that I think coming home with my first, I kind of expected my friends to be coming more and, like, to be asking me, how am I doing? And, like, oh, can I see the baby? And, like, all these things more. And it was, like, radio silence. Like, mm -hmm. they were trying to give me my space, I think. And also, I was the first of the friend group to have kids. Yeah. And so it was, like, awkward. Like, they didn't know what to do. Mm -hmm. But then I was kind of lonely because it was like, okay, I'm here with my kid. Mm -hmm. And I'm just here nursing my kid. And I'm just here changing my kid's diaper. Mm -hmm. um, I guess I'll go call my grandma. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like, so you don't want to be, like, bothering your friends. And be like, well, how's your life? Yeah. Or be like, you should ask me how I'm doing. Like, you don't want to say those things. Mm -hmm. But... I kind of wish there was more of that support that people weren't just afraid to be like, oh, I don't know. I don't want them to feel pressured in any way. It's like, no, that was whenever, that was before the baby was born that I would be bothered with that. Mm -hmm. Now we're after, and where is everybody? Yeah. Just take my baby so I can yeah. go take a shower, <laughs> right? right? I totally understand that. I feel like my battle was feeling like I couldn't ask for help because I'm like, okay, no, I have to prove this point that I can handle it, that I can do this. I got myself into this situation and now I'm going to, I'm going to be successful at it. I'm not going to ask for help. So yeah, but then experiences humble you into like to the point where you feel like, okay, obviously there's no other option other than asking for help. And that's what, I mean, night terrors is what got me. Oh, I could you know, get through the day and be fine. And my mom's like, hey, do you need anything? Nope, I'm good. We're good. Like, I just keep checking along because I'm trying to prove this point to myself. But when the night terrors started happening and he's like literally asleep but screaming, crying oh, in geez. your sleep and I'm, I can't wake you up because you were already asleep, that's what got me. Yeah, and like I couldn't make it stop. I'm like crying and my mom's like coming over and getting us in the car and just driving in circles until he falls asleep. Wow. And that's what I knew, like, okay, sometimes it is okay to ask for help and you're still going to be a great and successful mother. You're still going to be able to get yourself out of circumstances and be okay, but it's all right to ask for help for just that little extra bit of strength when you have nothing left to give. Yeah. And right. so exactly. I like what you said about getting humbled. Like, it, it really will humble you. And it so does taking on that help but um, I totally feel you with the friends thing <laughs> I was the I'm the type that was just coming to brunch coming to dinners coming to lunches with my kid and they're like oh yeah we get the baby yeah go ahead get him <laughs> yep because I'm not coming without him <laughs> yeah exactly so people just got used to that I think but it that, does get hard with checking in I feel like that's good though because I don't know why I feel like maybe because 
COVID also changed things too with people bringing their babies out more. But I feel like people just aren't used to seeing them. Yeah. Like I remember one of the first times I took her to my to the grocery store even and everybody's like, oh my gosh, it's a new baby. And I'm just like, do you guys not see babies? Okay, maybe you don't. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> it's been a while. I'm like, well, here, she's really cute. You can look at her. Just don't breathe on her too much. <laughs> <laughs> Do you, so um, my last youngest is 2021. So we've all had a kind of post or post COVID babies and your daughter's three? Yes. So was she COVID? Was she born? A little bit before COVID. Okay. So in the infant stage, yes, COVID happened. Um, I actually, yeah, it was a year afterwards though. Um, so that was pretty, she was still breastfeeding and everything, I breastfed her. So the formula shortage, I wasn't impacted in that, but that was scary to see in oh, case, yeah. what if I did need a uh, formula? Or I think maybe you could have spoken on that too, but that part was scary. The diapers, the toilet paper, mm -hmm. everything, it just became what will come next and will I be able to, um, survive through that kind yeah. of thing. I was in a, basically a studio apartment with a newborn mm -hmm. and her father, um, but that was hard staying in that small space together and having to um, navigate everything. And people coming over wasn't a thing and I didn't want too many people around anyway, um, but where do you get the support from? Mm -hmm. um, my mom worked full time, she had young kids Mm -hmm. um, my youngest sister is six, so at that time she was three. I was watching her sometimes while mm -hmm. I was um, with my daughter, and it became a lot, but um, I did catch COVID eventually during that time afterwards. But, um, wow, yeah, there's just so much. <laughs> mm -hmm. Okay, so you had a three-year-old and your, your new baby. And mm -hmm. Wow. Mm -hmm. And, like, yeah, that's, that's a lot. Yeah. Just because... <laughs> like my current, yeah, like, current three-year-old. Like, oh my gosh, she's wild. Yeah, I, I can't imagine with COVID. I didn't even think about that. It was. I have a 2015 yeah. baby. So yeah, like, my son was born 2019, yeah. in yeah. July. So we had like a chunk of time, and it was really weird though because it like I want to say I came off of maternity leave, and then I think that December we got we all got COVID. So then it was like December was like disappeared off of the calendar in terms of work for me and then everybody was all shut down <laughs> and so it was like okay um this is like an extra maternity leave I don't know so it was like kind of more time with my son which was nice but also like like you said like we're all kind of stuck we're all mm -hmm. kind of isolated I have a baby like what do we do mm -hmm. um when can we see people do we want to see people it's just those things, those questions that's like, I want to do good by them, but I, I'm just kind of going every day, just trying to figure it out. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And in the process, I was also trying to see my clients virtually. And let me tell you, so I'm a music therapist and trying to do virtual music therapy. I mean, it's a little bit more doable than being like a music teacher, I think, because there's the therapy aspect as opposed to like, here, we're going to sing this song together and you're going to learn this choir piece. And like, I can't. I, 
props to the music teachers during COVID, because <laughs> what the heck? Like, how are you supposed to get 60 kids on to do a choir rehearsal? Yeah, my mother-in-law, she's a music teacher, and I'm just like, I have no idea how she survived that. Uh -huh. I've lost my mind. <laughs> From a parent's perspective, there was a lot of videos like, hey, check out what's... <laughs> Take a, take a look at this video, or make, mm -hmm. or make your own instrument and things like that. But yeah, it's I can't. I don't. I don't know how teachers got through that time. I don't know. <laughs> uh, teaching. So my, I don't think my son's school closed though. I mean, there might have been a break, but mm -hmm. there wasn't like a full-blown closing like the other schools. And he goes to a private school, so they really were just like masks and mm -hmm. and changing like how they did things. But I don't remember it actually like fully closing. Obviously, I was nursing on the floor um, on a designated COVID unit, so my brain couldn't comprehend it anyways. <laughs> right, you didn't have time, oh you didn't gosh. have the space to comprehend nope. anything outside of that. Nope. So, um, but yes, that, I feel like COVID really changed the motherhood game because you were either going to now become a teacher uh, for your own <laughs> child or you were dealing with newborns, um, like you said, the formula shortage, and just that was a whole different process. I just felt like I couldn't be as close to my kid during that time just because I was so exposed. I was trying to take every precaution possible, whether it was just like taking everything off right at the door, throwing it in a trash bag, running to the shower, not touching anything, and then going to my mom's house to pick him up because she had to pick him up from school because I was still at work doing a 12-hour shift or something. And just feeling so exposed, you feel like you can't be as close. I felt mm -hmm. like I couldn't be as close to him or feel like I could be as close to my family. I didn't feel like I could just like, hey, how are you guys doing? No, I just like didn't want to be around anyone because I was so scared that something would come from me to someone else. Right. And somehow I never got it, but. Maybe you're uh, me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, earlier you were talking about how you, you don't remember the first year because it was just survival mode. And I feel very much the past three years have been just survival mode. Like how can we not, how can I not remember how can I remember so much about my two oldest and not so much about my three-year-old? Like, I don't even, he was, in 2020, he was a year old. Or, yeah, and that's just a blur because I was teaching. I was trying to, I remember when they said the schools were going to close and, like, all of a sudden it's just like, you know, like, where were you when? Right. <laughs> like, on the news, the schools are going to close. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. Like, it was just... Where, what are we doing? And I know that sentiment is, you know, everyone has had various experiences with that. But, yeah, it's it's been a crazy few years for sure. But, I'm like, through that, though, the biggest lesson was boundaries. Mm -hmm. Like, I learned so much about, like, healthy boundaries. Being a full-time working mom and running a nonprofit, like, you were just, the grind is always on. Your phone is always on. You're always available because, you know, what if that donor reaches out or whatever? And then literally being in your house with your family you kind of reassess the situation and be like oh well like i'm not the mom that i want to be i'm not the partner i want to be um and so from that now we have like healthy boundaries established and i can like after five o'clock you know what i can call that donor the next day i can send that email out the next day like nothing is so pivotal that i can't be at my son's soccer game or go to a therapy or be there at my kid's daycare, little mom and me tea or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, so, I mean, some good does came out of that for us. Um, mm -hmm. And I can speak for my whole family on that aspect, but like the boundaries that we learned in a healthy way and how to express that in a healthy way was 
huge mm -hmm. I feel and like, life changing. Yeah, that's so true. I feel like it made people reevaluate a lot mm, in in terms of especially like jobs and mm -hmm. like you said, availability and like what they want for their families for their lives. Um, that was probably around the time that I decided to make the change with my job. So I've I'm a music therapist. I've been working with folks with um, intellectual and physical disabilities for past five years. I actually just now finished that up. Um, and I had started my private practice about a year ago, my own business, um, A Joyful Hope. And I work with moms and babies and do perinatal music therapy. Um, but yeah, that all kind of was like, I had my son um, July of 2019. And then was just like having this idea in the back of my head, like, well, what if I worked with moms and babies, but with music therapy, how would that look? And so it kind of was sitting in my brain and like getting some ideas going and flowing. And then COVID comes and I'm doing all these sessions virtually and trying to navigate how that looks. And especially with these types of folks, it's like, okay, um, how on board is mom and dad? Are they just gonna prop up the tablet and then walk away? And then I have to keep re-engaging this person through this or are they gonna be completely hands-on and super helpful? And and you never know. Everybody's mm -hmm. going through their lives. It was one way, it was it was both ways, honestly. And so coming from that, I was like, okay, well, maybe I can do something different. Maybe I need to do something different. I think I need to do something different. <laughs> and I, I love those folks immensely, I do, but I feel like it would really grow and thrive and be a lot better as a therapist and a person or mom mm -hmm. in that different sphere, different facet of my field. Mm -hmm. So switched gears, start switching over. And I really do think that like 2020 COVID was kind of an impetus for that, right? Mm -hmm. Cause it makes you realize like, okay, it can be different. I don't have to be doing this every day, all day. I can actually have a little bit more freedom and see moms um, in their time not necessarily, you know, going from a group home, driving to a client home, going to a group home. Maybe I could even see somebody virtually. And we realize now, like, oh, there can actually be some really good benefit to that, even if it's not as good as being in person. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, it was, it was a really big shift for me. Having COVID also helped me reset my perspective on my job as well. One of the things I've talked to Christy about previously was she never – fully experienced postpartum depression or anxiety. Um, but she, as a result of that, felt like she was in that gray area of like, okay, well, I, I'm not depressed, but I'm not doing well either. Um, like I'm not clinically. So, uh, so she felt like she couldn't, she didn't know where to go. And so I don't, I don't know all of your stories well enough to know if you've experience postpartum depression or anxiety I don't we don't need to necessarily like stay on that um, because I actually part of uh, this conversation which I've really enjoyed and how it's kind of turned into is we're talking about modern motherhood which modern motherhood at this point includes COVID which has been like you know we all hate talking about it but at the same time it's impacted our you know um, all of our lives so drastically so um, I guess within that, I'd just like to ask if you feel comfortable. Did either anybody experience, like, I would say clinical, that means like a therapist diagnosed you with depression and anxiety? I did not. Okay. Nobody diagnosed me. Um, 
if you were like seeing a therapist and <laughs> I felt like I was depressed. I didn't. I don't know where my depression. If it was from postpartum, or if it was from the fact that I, that me and the father just broke up. Yeah. So I don't. I don't know. It's probably a mixture of both. Yeah. I just feel like everything that I had been working so hard to keep. I was just trying to keep my family together. Right. Like keep this family together so that the world can see. <laughs> right. Yeah. That you've made it. <laughs> I so I know. Okay. So I know that we have very different backgrounds and weird, but I cannot tell you how much I resonate with everything that you have said with my first because I, when I was I was 27, so I had my career going. I had a, I was living with my partner and I got pregnant and I was terrified of telling my parents because. I, I was first person. Well, I was first person in our in our generation to have a baby and not be married. Um, and I was living in New York, so in New York it wasn't so much a big deal. But back home in Indiana, it was kind of a thing. <laughs> um, so, uh, and everything that I had been, you know, taught and everything. So, so I totally like I was scared to tell my mom at 27 years old, having <laughs> living my own life, taking care of myself. Um, so and when then, did sorry? Did when did you decide to share with your family? Um, I was probably so. This is a kind of a so. This that's a very good question. <laughs> um, I found out I was pregnant like end of October ish, maybe, and then my family came for Thanksgiving, and I was so. Um, I wanted the appearance that everything was fine and under control, and that my partner was committed, and he and he was like we were. Um, in a committed relationship at that time, but I was like, you need, I, we, you need to propose to me, oh, or my parents yeah. gonna are gonna not accept this. Um, in hindsight, if I would have just been honest with everyone and said, this is where we're at in our relationship, I feel like things might have gone a little bit smoother. If anybody is in that situation, <laughs> um, but. So yeah, they came out for Thanksgiving. He uh, set up a pro surprise proposal. Um, and they they were there. My parents were there, and it was just this really joyful thing. And that that weekend, like when they left, I was like, "Oh, I have a doctor's appointment." And like my mom kind of like was like, "You have a doctor's appointment? Oh, okay, well we're going back home. <laughs> well, what's going on?" And I was like, "It's fine. Everything's fine." Um, and then I think maybe a day or two after, once they once I confirmed the pregnancy, a day or two after, I was like, "I'm I'm pregnant." And my parents were both. They were very shocked, very surprised. Not, couldn't have been too surprised because I was living with my partner at the time as well. But um, my mom was kind of speechless and then she called me later on her way to get ice cream. She was like, we're gonna have ice cream to celebrate that there's gonna be a baby or something. And I was like, oh wow. But it's been around, my mom and I have a very complicated relationship, so it's yeah. not all I like, getting oh, ice cream it's after ice cream on Sundays. That she responded that way. Yeah, yeah. but she's, no, I mean, I she's, yeah, she's all about the grandkids. <laughs> but, but within that, I, I totally, like, um, I think we all, if, if we're in the situation where, you know, 50% of pregnancies are all, are um, um, unplanned, mm -hmm. right? So no matter what age we are, they can be unplanned. And so, and a first pregnancy, a second, whatever, it comes on like a freight train. Like there's no stopping it. Mm -hmm. no, there's no stopping it no matter what. You have choices within that freight train, <laughs> right. <laughs> we're to get off, but you have to make these very difficult choices. Um, 
And so, like, it's just it's something that my coping mechanism was to make sure that everybody knew everything was okay. Like, I got this. I'm career-wise, da-da-da-da-da. Mm-hmm. And that's essentially what broke me um, when I was having postpartum depression and anxiety was that I was I was so far from okay when I got pregnant and then just having that layered on and then making everything, meeting everyone's expectations, yeah. like, after that became um, very difficult up to, like, two years postpartum with my first. And so even though my partner was supportive, we had a good relationship, but we didn't, it just wasn't, you know, the best relationship for both of us. So, um, yeah, I think it's, anyways, I just, I resonate a lot with that, even though we're just two girls sitting here. (laughs) (laughs) I understand the pressure of Mm -hmm. keeping it together for your family. Mm -hmm. Um, But also when I did eventually, like, you know, I, what did burnout is, (laughs) burnout was the uh, (laughs) term um, and moved back home and kind of got reestablished. Like that was difficult. That was difficult for my family because they were like, what's going on? Like I thought everything was fine. Mm -hmm. Like everything wasn't fine. And so um, that was a big transition. But um, there's so many, there can be so many masks, even today, like, you know, even on social media, like, so many masks that we wear as moms, um, whether it's in a boardroom or whether it's at work or with our families still. Um, and just part of, you know, this concept and the conversations about modern mother- <laughs> motherhood is that um, we have to create these safe spaces and these opportunities to talk and share our stories because it's not all about, you know, saving face anymore. It's about kind of like coming with our authentic selves. Like now you have boundaries and like people are going to respect those boundaries, you know, like should. Well, they, <laughs> do. No, they do. They do. Because, <laughs> because I'm very like that, that is what keeps me mm-hmm. like, okay. Right. Um, because I, I felt very overwhelmed as mothers. We have so many balls that we're juggling and like with social media, like that added layer of social media expectations and like making sure everything is perfect and, you know, very type A over here and like being okay that it's not okay yeah. was huge for me. Yeah. Um, and then setting those boundaries, like that was the final shot. Like I had to have that. That was, if I didn't have that, I think I may have been clinically yeah. like um, diagnosed with anxiety. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think like having those boundaries is my safe space. Yeah. Yeah. The, um, and, and also just the constant like work. So, yeah. um, choosing to work, like, again, when I had my first son, and consequently, um, (laughs) um, uh, I threw myself into working, and I, again, added that as a barrier, but I also enjoy working, like, there was, there was me working, because I wanted to kind of, like, keep that barrier, and try and figure out, that was my safe space, to try and figure out what was going on, um, through this transition into motherhood, but also, like, as a, it's it's safe because I'm getting uh, people saying that I'm doing a good job, whereas moms we don't get that we don't get that from our family often we don't get that from our partners often, um, and we don't get that from society often. Um, so there's a lot of there were a lot of benefits to going back to work for me socially, but at the same time I didn't have all that to say. Um, I still have very difficult time like boundaries with 
emails and that sort of thing, um, getting better. But because my mind is just all, I'm just, my mind is just always going, like, constant. So it's yes. even hard for me to, I don't know, stop. <laughs> so yeah. I haven't had any official diagnosis, like, postpartum depression, anxiety, anything like that. But um, I know I experience a form of, actually, while I was pregnant, um, so it's not postpartum rage, but, like, prenatal rage. Mm -hmm. So just being extremely angry and just feeling like, the anger is like sitting on me and all of a sudden I'm just embodying it. Mm -hmm. And most of the time it came out towards my husband because he was a safe person, a safe mm -hmm. space that could handle it, even if it's not fair. Right. Um, and so I was actually pregnant with um, our daughter and I was realizing, oh, I've actually experienced this postpartum with one of the boys before, but I didn't realize what was happening because it faded away. So it must have been all the lovely hormones we get. but. <laughs> Anger's, uh, rage is interesting because anger is usually um, something else. Usually fear drives mm -hmm. it. Um, and so realizing, okay, what am I afraid of? Like that sort of helped, but what really helped more was my midwife being like, hey, have you considered maybe, maybe considering a medication of any sort? Mm -hmm. And I had toyed with the idea for a long, long time. I've tried supplements, I do all the lovely essential oils, made other lifestyle changes and choices. I was like, you know what, let's try it. And it was really simple. She prescribed it for me that day. I started taking it. Now, those symptoms were not so fun. Yeah. <laughs> the first week was like, oh, great. But the changes after that, everything was, it was a lot, lot easier. Mm -hmm. I think the biggest thing that happened that I did not expect was a space between my um, reaction to something that happened. Mm-hmm there was actually a space there. So instead of, oh, somebody says something and I get mad or something happens and I just cry, I have a minute to pause now. Mm -hmm. And it kind of blew my mind because I was not expecting that because, you know, it's like, okay, I'm going on this medication that's altering my brain chemicals. Mm -hmm. This could be kind of a big deal. Hopefully it makes me feel happy. I don't know. And so then it's like, oh, no, I have this space now. Mm -hmm. That was really refreshing refreshing surprise yeah. so and it really did help with me with handling um, my emotions and then also realizing okay I don't have to step into this rage and then also realizing what's beneath it that mm -hmm. anger yeah it all kind of came together and has been better since then but yeah it it was kind of crazy it was not good the rage or the rage just comes up a lot and I have experienced that myself um, I just you know irritability is the yeah uh, the trigger the nice way to say <laughs> <Yeah>. it <laughs> um but yeah with medication too it's, it is a scary it can be like a very daunting like I don't need medication I you know this is fine everything's fine <laughs> right the stigma comes into play again <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah and um I remember specifically too when I took my medicine or when I first started taking medicine after um just completely running myself into the ground um that I could hear my thoughts, like my thoughts were so loud. So for my anxiety, it's just my things are so loud. Um, and like I could actually hear and process a thought from beginning to end. And like when I made, like when I actually strategically thought through something, I was like, oh my gosh, <laughs> I have prepared us for something. <laughs> and so you, when you're realizing, it's just interesting when you, when you realize that it's working, 
that it's like, oh, wow. And then there kind of like is hope that it's not something forever, but it helps to get me through this season that, that we're in. Or maybe it is forever. <laughs> I have, you know, <laughs> to each their own. <laughs> yeah. But um, I'm glad you mentioned medication because that is a really important piece um, for mothers who are, who are, who are cur- curious or yeah. um, experiencing it and feel shame. And there's no shame in medication. No. There um, is. There's mm-hmm. stigma with it. I mean, with my job, I mean, that's one of the things that I like to, to brag about a little bit with music therapy. It's like, okay, this is more holistic. Mm-hmm. If you might be a good alternative to try this route instead of maybe medication, but you know, I'm, I'm taking medication. So it's not like I'm dissing that mm-hmm. it's, it's all, you consider the whole person, the whole perspective, mm-hmm. your brain is part of you. Yeah. So you need to make your brain healthy too. And so if your brain needs a little help with some of those extra chemicals and other things going on that your body's not able to handle right now, then that's good. Yeah. And that's yeah, healthy. Exactly. So it's not like, oh, it's just a crutch. It's mm-hmm. like, no, we all need, well, I mean, yes, we need something to lean on. Mm-hmm. But then, you know, your therapy is a crutch. My vitamin D is a crutch during winter. <laughs> you know, like, how do you want to view this? Do you want to view this as a negative crutch or do you want to view this as something that's helping you get through? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Appreciate that. Well, as we kind of like wrap up a little bit too, I want to go a little bit around. I'll give you guys some space and some time to think about either what you would say to a mom who has um, who a new mom, um, or what you would say to yourself at probably one of your kind of like hardest moments. Um, I'm going to think about it too, (laughs) but. I, I just feel like, well, with new moms, it's always, you know, I, I saw a mom at a restaurant the other day. She had like three kids. It's like three under three, maybe. Maybe it's three under four. It was crazy town. <laughs> and it was okay. Like, you could tell she was getting stressed because her kids were all doing their own thing. And her mom was there, and her mom was very helpful. But it's, you still feel like everyone's watching you, and, you know, um, your kids aren't listening to you. And... So I was like, so as they, I didn't want to interrupt everything, but as they were kind of like waiting, I was like, I, I have four, I get it, you know, you're doing a great job. And then her mom chimed in and was like, she's a wonderful mother. And I was like, I totally see that. And like, you could just, her whole day was kind of like made through just that kind of interaction. That's the thing. Yeah. Like, not like the hand, oh, your hands are full, oh, double trouble, like, those yeah. kind of comments are not helpful. <laughs> yeah. Like I literally cried out going out of my pediatrician's office with my two little carriers because a woman opened a door as opposed to the normal comments of like the hands are full, all the comments that you get. Yeah. Um, but just like looking at a mom and being like, you're doing great. Yeah. You know, like we need to hear that. Like that makes me almost want to cry just hearing it out loud because we don't hear it enough. Mm-hmm. And like, that would be my thing to like the moms is just like, know that you're doing great and to anybody else that's supporting that mom let her know like preach it like yeah. <laughs> yell it from the mountaintops literally every single day mm-hmm. every five minutes if you need it like you're yeah. doing great like your body went through this amazing thing you're super powerful like yeah. you're keeping humans alive like, come on <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah like it's so huge just to hear somebody like tell you yeah. that you're doing well mm-hmm. and even if you don't agree like even if you think that for whatever reason that something could be done differently or you have your own ideas of like how they should be doing this like mm-hmm. don't say that still tell them how great that they're doing and how 
much effort you see that they're putting into. And then if you really feel like there's a lack in an area, fill the gap. Right. right. Step up. <laughs> yeah. If, especially if you can identify it. Oh, you're not doing something? Like, no, you can do it. Great. Yeah. yeah. Um, and new moms, too, I think in that six, every time I meet a mom who's got within that six-week window, I'm like, oh, my goodness, you're, this is brutal. I know it. Like, but you're going to get there, and it's going to be okay, and you'll be, you're going to be doing, or you're doing a great job now. And in that six weeks, like, there's nobody who can tell you you're doing a great job and you're listening. Mm -hmm. But at least, <laughs> but at least, but at least hearing it, like, hearing it and saying, okay, well, maybe I am doing, you know, maybe they'll think, well, maybe I am doing a great job. Maybe this is how it's supposed to be. And so if our, we're not getting that support from our families, then it's so important to get it from each other. Like, we're all... Like we're all moms in some capacity, um, so yeah, that's I I love to I don't, I don't like to like stare at people, <laughs> but I love to like wait for that moment of encouragement um, with with certain people. Um, so and then I think kind of I guess this question was twofold, so you can take it however you'd like. Um, and then that that maybe yourself when you were at a lower point. Um, and this came from a mom that I've worked with. Like, I don't, this is, this is from Heather Gatson. <laughs> but um, there is an after this. Like, it is not going to be this day forever, this moment forever. There is an after this. And sometimes I think I have this, like, lately, within the past few months, had this thought of, okay, what would, how do I want to remember this moment? Like, when I'm 80 years old, do I want to remember how would I like to be in this moment with my child? And so it really just kind of like brings you like right into that moment. If I'm thinking of this as a memory, like, like let me feel that. I don't know if that makes sense, but um, just trying to be in the moment to capture that for your future self even um, because they are so fleeting and they're so exhausting um, and they are... Uh, brutal at times, um, but just knowing that that moment's not going to last forever, so. You saying that reminds me of a quote that I just found this past week, um, it was probably on Instagram, I don't know, um, but it was, we have more time, you know, God willing, we'll have more time with our adult children than we do during, with our children, when they're 18 and under. Yeah. So that time is actually really short compared to the long-term, you know, assuming that we all have good health and get there. Um, but that also helps to keep it in perspective. Yeah. If I had anything to say to myself, it would honestly be the things you guys have already said. You're doing a good job, and it's all going to be okay. Mm -hmm. And you just take, you just, okay, we'll just try again tomorrow. I often say that, find myself saying that to my three-year-old. It's like, you know, you might not like me today. You, you're saying that right to my face. <laughs> I love you. And why don't we try this again tomorrow, mm -hmm. and we'll see how it goes. Mm -hmm. And for some reason, that just gives me a lot of hope. It helps me be like, okay, yeah, this is just today. It's not forever. Like, yeah, there's definitely hard moments where I call my mom because, wow, one of them just stopped crying, and the other one started crying. What do I do? <laughs> but you know what? There is tomorrow. Mm -hmm. And that, yeah, that gives me a lot of hope. Mm-hmm. I think what I would like to say to myself in a similar situation um, in parenthood, coming from like a 
abusive household and going into abusive relationships is find your safe space. Find, um, do whatever you can to make sure you're safe and your baby's safe. And um, that might not be with family, that might not be with your friends, um, but you have to strive for it because you're never going to be able to find it if you settle or you have that, hold out that hope that people will change mm -hmm. um, because it, you can't guarantee that. Yeah. Similarly to her, I would tell my younger self um, not to settle and to keep going. Um, I feel like the whole mom guilt thing, if you're, if you're a mom in existence, you have mom guilt, um, maybe about everything, maybe about certain things, but my mom guilt really stemmed from that whole parent, um, two-parent household thing. And I was putting myself in situations and having to deal with issues and relationships that I never really had to go through. Mm -hmm. So I would tell myself to get out of it right away, um, to choose myself. And I'm always trying to put my son first, but if I had just chosen myself first in the, in the beginning, that would have been me putting him first. Mm -hmm. I'm dragging him through having to see me cry and break down or be broken or be cheated on or see examples that he should never have to see or never be exposed to um, because I'm sitting, I'm thinking that I'm putting him first by trying to keep this family together or keep this relationship together. When in reality, if I had just chosen myself, my heart, my feelings in the first place, he would never have to go through seeing all of the damage that happens when you are trying to put everyone else first before yourself. And so it would be choose you. Um, I would tell myself, choose you, and everything's going to fall in place as soon as you do. Mm -hmm. There's still going to be struggles. There's still going to be things that you know you deal with, tough conversations, tough emotions. Um, but all together, as soon as you choose yourself, things really start coming together for you and for your child. Uh, because you're putting yourself in the position to make things happen in the most positive way and, and with the most positive direction. Yeah. So choose you. Yes. That's awesome. And you even, even from the beginning, I think often when we find out that we're pregnant or uh, immediately in, in similar situations, it's like, oh my, I'm not going to be enough. Like, I'm not going to be enough. I'm going to mess, like, baby's not even earth side. <laughs> and you're like, oh, it's done. <laughs> but if you just, if you have faith and give yourself grace and choose yourself from the beginning, then you pave the way for, you know, um, that child's future and your future. Um, so it's just a, a beautiful thing. Um, so thank you for sharing that as well. Um, I want to thank everybody today for joining us and having this conversation on modern motherhood um, and sharing your experiences, taking time out of your busy days, away from your kiddos um, to, to share with other moms in the community as well. So thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you.